Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies. Sure, we try and talk about movies, but now we talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is... Sean Cole. To my right... <laughs> That's a great show. <laughs> Calm here. And this is definitely the first time we've done this tonight. Yes. <laughs> yes. Explain to Lester, Michael, what just happened. <laughs> uh, we were about 10 minutes deep into the podcast, and then it wasn't recording. <laughs> <laughs> Rookie fucking hour. So... We're we're going to try and say all the exact same stuff, starting with, if I can find it. I love the fact that we're trying to recreate what we said ten minutes ago, and just, I can just, literally not remember anything. Just uh, run. Just just go faster. With. <laughs> faster. <laughs> just roll it. Now we had a message from Harry Campion. Oh, that's right. Yes. And uh, last week we had her her topic about save the cat, and then she also mentioned Rip, Nolan Ribbon, and then I just. Blake, as I just said, flippantly and jokingly into the ether. I they probably banged her. <laughs> <laughs> but she's clarified the situation, said... They I, haven't? They, they haven't, no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> she said, I have no, no ribbon. <laughs> Patty Dorn, my boyfriend, is oh. friends with him, and I've met him and Trish a couple of times when I've been oh. over in Derry. Oh. And I replied saying... Thanks for the info, Harry. Sorry for any speculation yeah. on our job, on the, our part. That's the rub. <laughs> that is the rub. Doran! <laughs> Doran! So apologies if any offence was occurred. I reckon Doran's better than Rubes in a sec, and I do. Even yeah. from just hearing that very strong name that he's got. Strong name, do you know? Doran. Doran. He's, well, he's, he's a PD. He's a PD? He's a PD. He sounds like a PA. <laughs> PD file or? Doran. PD file. Come on. That's a PD. I don't know, police department? What? <laughs> Is that a nup? Oh. Is that a nup? <laughs> Producer, director? Oh, Aye, no. Let's go out. Aye, let's the, do it. It's the Rosas. How do you know he's a PD? Because he's Paddy Dorn. Oh, right. I thought oh, you meant his fucking God, vocation Mick. was PD. Well, what's that? It's a, I don't know. I thought that's what you were on about. <laughs> <laughs> Mick just... Bex just calls people like you know, like for example, Paul Doherty. He's, oh, he's a PD. He's a PD. He's like, a PD. I shall shan. He's an SC. He's an SC. That's my That's my Mickey. Here's a CH. Yeah. <laughs> CSH. Yep. Oh, oh. get the wee initial on there. And Mickey's got a whole thing going with a fucking initial. Yeah. MB one off, friends. <laughs> You're an yeah. MB. I'm an MB. You could yet be fucking glorified by the Queen. That's <laughs> <laughs> MB, isn't it? Aye. I need to need to get Maldon. I need to get married to someone with an E, and have a double barrel name. You do it right, eh? MBE. I don't like it, they had right, nobody. Yeah, that's, that's one way, boy, leg. <laughs> I 
first time was better, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, somebody hit my card. You ain't fucking dead, D. <laughs> Every week we get a strange bottle of lucky liquid. <laughs> He's too conscious now. Yeah. <laughs> He's trying to amplify what he done before. <laughs> He's trying to bring it on back. Look at the S Club 7. Look at that. What S Club 7 songs bring it on back? I really don't care. Like. Oh, it is, no, wait. <laughs> it is an S Club 7 song? No. Don't stop bringing it back. Seven. 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 Speak, speaking of bringing stuff back. I think all three of us started a different part of the song. Yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> I was singing fucking Aqua or something. <laughs> I didn't even fucking know the song. Aqua, who fucks Aqua? Aqua's fucking I'm hey, a Barbie, Barbie girl. girl. Oh, in a Barbie world. Anyway, speaking of bringing Jones. stuff back. Speaking of bringing stuff back, I'm doing a link. <laughs> Let me do my link. I have brought back a previous Danger Barrel. Mm. I thought you were bringing back Desert Boots. I would love to bring maybe not Desert Boots. I would love to bring back Rhinestone Shoes or something. But and not I'm just desert waiting boots. for my moment. Like the skipper rope is constantly going. I'm just waiting for my moment to bring that shit back. Just lying there, literally gathering dust or sand, <laughs> as it were, and uh, the old cover line. <laughs> well. Danger Ball this week is one we had before. It's very illegal, but it is. I don't know. What it looks like a very quaint Stop ball. Stop saying ball things of are illegal. Blossom we'll get busted. No, no, no I'd one's be, listening. I, I, <laughs> I'd, be yeah, fu- I'd be fucking delighted if we got busted off this. It means someone fucking listening. Say whatever the fuck you want. Just put it in the front page. All publicity is good publicity. Front that dairy journal. Yeah. Three hermits get lofted. But yeah. uh, right, danger ball this week. Even though it looks like a very quaint ball of blossom, it is not. Hey, you could smuggle after your customs that shit. Fucking right. Tell has his fucking smuggling game down. Even though he's only going to Galway for the weekend. It's the exact fucking color. I'll retell the story as well. Very quick. Uh, the reason that I've been handed yet another bottle of patching. Though it does say white wine instead. Of <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, even a keen detective <laughs> might, might that, you know. I love that as well. Scribble out white wine. You can picture, picture my granddad spend hours perfecting the colour of patching so it looks like rosy. <laughs> and then the one fucking mistake he makes back on the white wine um. bottle. You busted, man. <laughs> you busted. But uh, I. I me, wouldn't say his name. Okay. My granddad's away to Galway for the weekend with 37 of his football football team. And essentially, my granny, who is a teetotaler, as is my granda, so I don't know why he gets patching for all these strange men, but uh, he's a teetotaler. But my granny has demanded that he gets the patching out of the house, and she was completely against giving it to me because she knows that I basically have a drink problem. So he lied and says that he was giving it to his friends and bring it to Galway, but he... he Snuck at me yesterday Ooh. in the car, where she going to uh, post a letter and Bert. It's <laughs> the worst cover story I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, I'm just, just going to post a letter and Bert. We were literally doing that. <laughs> we were literally posting a letter and Bert. Why do you have to post a letter and Bert? Santa Gerd's fucking person in the county Clare. She left in his house last week. Oh, what about her now? But he snuck this to me, and I was all fuck it, I'll take it. But what I love is that they've went to Galway with two bottles of patching for 37 men, yet we have one between three. So this is going to be truly dangerous. Who wants the first sip? Oh, yeah, Jim. Okay. Uh, you fucking work away. <laughs> I was wondering... Is this the same mixture as last Same thing? mixture. This is exactly what I was about to say. I was wondering that the last batch that we got, even though it's off the same fucking... I wouldn't say conveyor belt because, you know, it's not fucking... But I was thinking that it was mixed with the clothes and stuff I got there. 
and they'd only been sitting for maybe two or three weeks. This bottle now has been sitting for about three months, so I'm wondering if Pachina is like fine wine when dumped. Does it add to the flavor? It smells um, more cloudy. Does, does it not get more alcoholic? It gets more alcoholic. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, here we go, baby. This is what you're drinking at first. Yeah. That's what I'm drinking at first. Also, if you drop me and Michael from this podcast. In fairness, it does smell more cloudy. <laughs> it, it does smell. And as we can, it's far redder than last time. Last yeah. time it was kind of like panker. Now it's like a dark red because it's been sitting soaking and shit like that. Mm. Just tell us if you go blind. But I'll give it a go. Yeah. Passed the first test. I didn't go blind. Tis fine. Obviously, it is fine because it's been... <laughs> tis fine because we're just going to give it like five minutes. Yeah, but <laughs> the reason it tis good is because, like the last batch, it's been diluted because you can't drink pouching straight. You go fucking bananas. Mm. Uh, it's been diluted with white lemonade and cloves. So there you go, and mm. truffle oil, old enough. Truffle oil. Yeah, I'm taking a hand on it. <laughs> just made it sound fancy, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, if you put mm. eggs next to truffles in the fridge, they get a truffly taste. Fuck off, really. Yeah. Yeah, but it's having truffles. Mickey's the yeah, main thing. That's Anybody can have eggs. That's, you know, it's normal, you know. Well, <laughs> like, for example, like I tried to make my sister macaroons one time, and because you have that's fucking, right. uh, uh, like, coconut shavings <laughs> in, a, <laughs> in a cupboard, but, like, I had it. I, r- I really want to know where the story's going. <laughs> yeah, well, well I'll, just, just, it, I'll bring it back, round her about where you, where you took off from. <laughs> Or left ah fuck it. What do you call it? Uh, <laughs> spice cupboard. Uh, left these fucking coconut chains because you can you can love them and they curry and they end it and you get a coconutty kind of sweet curry kind of thing. Yeah. So I had them in a spice cupboard with all the spices open and things I guess here. So they back and forth and all this jazz the spices I'd circulate around the cupboard and then uh, so I go to ma- I go to make macaroons and uh, fucking baked away at them. No bother, happy days, chocolate on the top of it. And then I took a bite on there so. Uh, it, t- it tastes rounder about what it should but there's definitely a whiff of like fucking I don't know Garrett Masala uh, <laughs> definitely a wasp of like a fucking Barriani <laughs> going on here there's a, there's a chalky undertist you know, worst thing about it is made I was just all I fuck up perfect there <laughs> I, I all, love my boys well. uh, I love my boys all per- fucking perfect eat perfect I'll stop fucking saying it's perfect it obviously tastes like fucking like a Barriani or something I'll say like whatever, and it just it, it and it's pretty much the same. You know, I'm not going to say osmosis because it's not osmosis. It's some <laughs> other. It's some sort of you know, aerial. Uh, Aye, they, you know. they, they <laughs> but I think it's only specific things. Aerial, aerial warfare. Like, aerial warfare. <laughs> aerial warfare. <laughs> I love that though. Just you're saying your dad saying, "Oh, it's perfect going back to the granddad," or just old boys in general. I love how unpacky they are about food. So let that you can hand them like a fucking. But a pork and some spuds, and there could be fucking smarties and tic tacs all over their fucking chicken or fucking whatever. But I meat that's about fuck. I'm grand. That tastes lovely. They have no fucking. Yeah. I mean, they'll just eat anything put in yeah. front of them. My dad put salt on things before he's tasted it. Really? Gel does that? Really? That's 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 it. apparently if you do that in a restaurant, well, not like fucking some greasy spoon, but if you do that in like top restaurants, whatever, that's really looked down upon because it's almost questioning that the chef hasn't seasoned it right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like you bust your balls or something for your dad. Like, oh, you has your favorite hanging out there. You might hand them for a time. We just don't have some fucking salt with you. You that salt there, my grand. You know, how do you have fucking slap in the head? Jelly only does it with specific stuff, but she does it. And I was like, at least fucking try it. Like, I put salt in it. You don't need salt. In fact, you need less it. If anything, you need. I'll go against that. You need less. So, cut it out as much as probably possible. Instead of just going, I don't even know what was fucking on, don't I? 
Another bit of chef etiquette before we go on to talking about uh, the moving pictures is apparently it's frowned upon for a chef, like say a chef's on his breakers or for a fag or going to a chef for a fucking Snickers or something like that. Say if he's out or whatever, it's frowned upon for a chef to wear his chef weights out in the street. It's aye, only get yeah, it's only accepted and as well just bacteria and stuff. It's only accepted for a chef to wear his weights in the kitchen. Yeah, boom. I didn't know that, it until oh, recently. That's just like cleanliness yeah but I mean like obviously it's for cleanliness but fucking so much for cleanliness but apparently it's really locked down upon mm-hmm. Master Chef 101 right there motherfucker bush <laughs> by the um, way have you tried the pouch no I'm yet? scared of drinking ah it. fuck <laughs> off get Lundy come on Mikey it's the very same you'll be fine Jeez, one it's sip it's way worse <laughs> one sip one sip there's such a nice glug of it too music to your ears see not so bad. I uh, know it just, uh, it does just taste, uh, <laughs> but like it just tastes more clovey than last time. Yeah. Like I've always said about, but it, you see, it's so dangerous because it's nice and I want more. Yeah. <laughs> like I've always said about patchy, though, even when it is diluted, is that the first drink is almost like the awakening because you think, oh Jesus, there's this whole thing about patchy, you know, it's illegal mm. and blah blah blah, and mm. all here, crack. And you take one drink, you know, fuck, mm. it's not that bad. It's only, actually. Ele- it's only eleven and a half as well. At <laughs> 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 about sixty on that. <laughs> have you lost your sight just no sure keep away it's alright <laughs> first one's free just <laughs> the rest one will cost you the rest of your life <laughs> but I do like that though is that it's really easy to drink well when it's diluted and stuff like that but then it's after too because mine the last time we took it I don't know if it was like fucking 14 or 15 episodes ago or whatever the fuck but we all took a sup and we were like, oh, fuck, considering this is podging, this is grand, you know, you could fucking drink that all night. But then literally, I think after like the second or third drink, we were all fucking pissed. About like 20 minutes on that podcast, you just don't realise what it's doing behind <laughs> the scenes. You know? uh, I'm drunk right now. <laughs> I'm drunk right now, man. <laughs> I'm hungover. Here we go. Uh, Anchorman. Anchorman. It's Paul Rudd. You don't like him as a comedian. Not really. But you love him as a dramatic actor. I do, I do, I do so. <laughs> Mikey's just had a second gulp of the poutine. How do you feel, Michael? Poutine? The poutine. But is, that's like chips with gravy on it. Ah, uh, no, it's like, it's like Canadian mm. fine, well not even fine then, it's that like Canadian snack, mm. yes. I'd Apparently, no, it's, it's it's chips with cheese curd and gravy, mm. which sounds yeah. like it doesn't work. What's cheese curd? Cheese curd is basically like it's, it's molded up fucking cheese. I love how this episode is going very down the food route as opposed to the film route. But uh, what other food did we talk about? We talked about fucking like chef etiquette and stuff like that a minute ago. Yeah. And he was talking about his macaron. Mm. Or macaroon. I mentioned eggs. And you mentioned eggs as well. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'll give you that one, Sean. <laughs> Go on to the films now, Michael. What have we watched this week, folks? Who's going first? I'll go first. Go. Watch the guilt trip. Oh, it's uh, I watched that a few oh, months ago. Oh, <laughs> it's like the sadness oh, that came no. over your face. Like, oh, why did you, you know do what? that? Though, see, concern how shit. Well, <laughs> concern how shit the reviews were for it. I thought it was alright. I know it's not. It's not yeah. like fucking cut yourself badly. It's not. Oh, Jesus. Is Seth Rogen and <laughs> Seth Rogen and Barb's and Barb's are Barb's. Barbarella. I like. I mean. Ella. Sorry. Ella, but uh, she's really fucking irritating on it and stuff I got there. But I just like their chemistry. But anyway, I'll let you talk about <clears> that. I know she's quite irritating on it, but they have a nice chemistry. <laughs> 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 They're both Jews, I understand. 
Hey. <laughs> <laughs> See, I thought that might have been the connection as well. Yeah. <laughs> Six oh degrees Lord. of separation. They're both Jewish. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have them five back, please? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's Seth Rogen and Babs. What's her name? Streisand yes. Is uh, his, his mother <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yes She plays his ma And he's going on this Like road trip They sell his new Cleaning product Or one could say A guilt trip <laughs> A little look from you <laughs> Because like, he Complete tried he tried to do this Last week as well We mentioned Save the cat Before we started Talking about save the cat and it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I know it doesn't work. That's why I'll keep doing it. <laughs> All right, then. But yeah, so he Seth Rogen is trying trying to sell his new cleaning <laughs> product. They like shops and stuff, so they stock it. And the whole thing is like it's all natural. Like there's no toxins or anything. And there's no chemicals. He's a sanctuary man who does fucking sell up bang, Barry Scott. He's an American version of it. <laughs> What's Peter Serafina? Which is version of it? Gary Bombers of it? Gary Bombers. Hi, I'm Gary Bomb. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a liquidator. It's essentially the real life version of Mr. Motivator, isn't it? Yeah. I met Mr. Motivator once. And yeah, so did I. He, sound, he, he put on my hat. It was cool. Uh, it was me that gave him that hat, man. Oh, you were with me, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that's that. why I was going along with the story. <laughs> <laughs> it was me that ha- gave him the hat because I held it out and he was all, no, I'm all right. And then I kept cool holding guy. it and he put it on mm. and then he did some of this. I guarantee that you know, hat motivated him to like, burn probably the most calories he's burnt in about 25 years. That, yeah. No, because seeing Mr. Motivator property kicked off my electric picnic weekend with a bang. It was phenomenal. Mm. Because and the I, thing is, why was he even there? That was what <laughs> I loved. Like, you know, I mean, it was a music festival and Mr. Motivator was just smack dab in the mullet doing a wee training session. Hey. wonder if Gary Motivate. <laughs> Jimmy Savile will motivate him to come clean about anything. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Mr. Motivator certainly clean. I know that the BBC's got his demon shirt. Fucking Mr. Motivator. Or at least he knows know. how he covers tracks, but. He's cleaned them all out. Well, in fairness, Mr. Motivator wasn't even on BBC. He was ATV, uh, so well, he should be granted. I feel you. It's structured only within the BBC. Uh, <laughs> ATV's new tagline, no pedos. <laughs> <laughs> We're grand. Thumbs up. <laughs> ITV, UTV. It's for you, not for us. I saw the guilt trip. There's really honestly not much to say about it. It's like, Barbara Streisand, uh, like, goes on quite irritating and stuff but it's kind of the way she's she's supposed to be because the whole thing is she's kind of annoying him on this trip that's why it's called the guilt trip because she makes him feel guilty about like not bringing her and not doing stuff she likes and then he feels bad and does it bye 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 but there there's some nice stuff to that like as Shan said they do have nice chemistry and you do feel like there is a kind of relationship there and they have stuff to talk about like about you know being Jewish together and yeah they both had singing careers. Yeah. Yeah. They both probably smoke a lot of weed together. Yeah, definitely. They both probably driven a car. They've probably... At one point or another. Banged while smoking more, weed. More than likely. More likely than what, what, what one might think. Yeah. You know. Because that shit gets crazy when you're shutting the phone. When you're... when Yeah. Especially road movies. Yeah, because yeah. you have... To, little known fact about road movies... Mm-hmm. Ones that are like ninety percent in the car, the people actually stay in the car yep. because they save time. Yep. And so they just sleep there, no. piss there. They're actually sitting on like portable toilets. Yeah. And 
so they just spend their whole time there. Yeah. So you probably, I think it's a rough statistic. I Boots, say, Boots I say, will get knocked. I like point. it's a, I think a rough thing that about seventy five percent people end up having sex. Aye. Yep, percent. But in in the car, I mean, like Aye. even but it all stems from that thing in Titanic. Like that wasn't supposed to happen. Just no. they had a, quite a long the shit. Car? They had a they had a long, quite a long shoot that day in the car, and then yeah. it just kind of happened. And then Jimmy Cameron's all like, "All right, fuck it, just, just roll." I've them. never had sex in the car, have you? No, but I I don't have a car to have sex in. Yeah, nor do I. Honestly, like if I have seems... had sex in a car, it would have been like my man dad's car, which is just weird. Mm. It doesn't seem like it's all that it's cracked up to be because it seems very uncomfortable and sweaty, which I wouldn't like. Oh, I I think that about just pretty much sex in general. I think that about most most sex that doesn't happen in it's a like bedroom. More sex. <laughs> 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 it's like the end of fucking a nerve from our play. You could say it was all my sex. <laughs> 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 oh yes, yes. but I. <laughs> <laughs> but sex anywhere other than the bedroom is normally really awkward and not really worth it. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> also true. Anyway, um, go back to guilt trip. We're getting about too deep here on their own CD personalities. For Ice. example, where? <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> Shires are awkward. Shires are awkward. Standing Baths, sex, very awkward. But is this sex with? Is this sex well, with it depends, oneself? Depends. Depends the size of your wrath. Depends on the tub. Do you say? You say bath. You said wrath. Bath. Bath. Aye. I thought you said it depends on the size of your wrath, and I thought that was some sort of cool yeah. word you have. Your woolly. Yeah. So it depends Aye. on the size of your then, wrath and, and your and bath. And then he, he quotes Jeff Bridges and Tree Gritney's. Oh, she don't know the wrath. It's about to set down on her. <laughs> 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 bit rapey Mikey will upset a fucking <laughs> upset a baseball bat just now. <laughs> what do you reckon <laughs> two day losers <laughs> the guilt trip now chairs chairs are a bit awkward Ch- well, um, like a like a hard wooden chair oh cause see aye cause your tailbone rubs up against the back end that's aye. really fucking painful and you might get a sust <laughs> you can't get a sust from yeah. like rubbing your tailbone off shit. That's called. G- <laughs> it's actually it's actually the fucking funniest name of all time. But there's a, <laughs> there's a thing called a polluteal cyst that forms on your tailbone and it's exceptionally uncomfortable. But it's called jeep seat, <laughs> which I absolutely love because jeep it originated seat. from like World War Two soldiers who were like bouncing over these fucking jeeps in the fucking African desert or whatever, and all this hair crack. But because of the sweat around their fucking tailbone, they got these cysts. It, 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 it's not coming from from here, but it's called jeep seat. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of sounds like uh, <clears throat> you know people call it your jabs, eh? Like your hole. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call it? The, you you call don't call it your hole your job. No, your hole is your no, fucking. You call your fucking. Yeah, your your head. Or your peel, your chaps, eh? Right, right. I very rarely use that term. Your, your, uh, it your doesn't, anus it doesn't apply now. Is because like your cheap size of fucking the wee hole at the top of your wallet. <laughs> your cheap say. Ah, uh, your chaps, say. <laughs> and then uh, I was thinking because it might work because you said jeep seat, but. Uh, because what me and Colin do sometimes when we're speaking code next to people that might hear us that we don't want to hear us, we start swapping out syllables. So instead of Jap Savio, you're Jupso. Your Jupso. Your Jupso. What I love is that you told me before, uh, if you and Norby are chatting about somebody... Years of practice, it's really Yeah, hard. but I, I was really <laughs> impressed with this, but apparently if I'm and Norby are chatting about somebody and they don't realise that that certain person just came into earshot, what is the go-to sentence... 
Like, do you say, oh, I chill, we'll do that thing when, next when, Wednesday? Wednesday at half seven. <laughs> Wednesday at half seven. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. so good. So, so, like, if somebody's coming in and then somebody's just, oh, I know, what a fucking ball wagon on, you see them come in. You're all, no, no, but it was, no, Wednesday. No, it was Wednesday, <laughs> Wednesday at half seven. <laughs> Wednesday at half seven. You see? Was it not true? No, it was Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> Get there and then well, he's a fucking cut. Bo- no, but see Wednesday at half seven, right there. And then you just you cut. The best thing about it is you cut through the middle of their hang by going, "No, it was Wednesday." And then as well as that, the person, <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the the person looks at you and thinks that you're in the middle of a serious conversation. <laughs> So they walk off. So you don't know if they bother about it. Then you can they, fucking keep talking about it. You can go back to giving them fucking dogs. Nah, no fucking dogs. I love that he spat up my whole drink back on that class. <laughs> He's a fuck. I see you Wednesday at half seven, right? right? right. Fuck so good. Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday. Yeah. Giltrop, wrap her up. Uh, it's it's grand just if you literally have nothing else to watch. <laughs> Jesus. So no, like it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, there there's there's Life changer that Mickey yeah. was like, there's a there's a deep ball pack there's, film. Th- there's a good chemistry between Seth Rogen and Babs. Yeah. And you know, there's a bit where he has he makes the big sale and whatnot, and you know, that's quite nice if you're like me and enjoy those things. But yeah, it's sounds too spectacular. <laughs> if you're a fan of Seth Rogen, there's some laughs to be had. Mm. Barbara Streisand gets banged at one point. Yeah, probably. I heard about this. Yeah, yeah. That was strange. You see it in all its gritty detail too. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. it's almost fucking red chub esque. What are old Bab's husband? They say that shit. Mind her and fucking. Oh. <laughs> what do you She's call a the, celebrity after all. What do you call the Travolta movies? Get shorty. Mm-hmm. Just one of, one of she them. was getting shorty. <laughs> mind, mind her in that. She has sex with Gene Hackman. Does she? Do you is know that her or is that actually, Bette Miller? Go, going back to this, might be Bette Miller. Going back to this as well, but I completely forgot about with Young Frankenstein. Gene Hackman's fucking cameo in Young Frankenstein. Yeah, he plays the, the blind guy. guy. But he's like one well, of the best things about the film. I was gonna make espresso. That's <laughs> <laughs> one. It might be. Met. No, do you know what I'm on about? Like, Met Biddler. You're about to say it. Uh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but some somebody knocks for Gene Hackman like late at night, and she just come arrives in a coat, and she like pulls back coat, and she's wearing lingerie. Oh, she got nothing on but the radio. <laughs> oh yeah, it, uh, <laughs> might have been Bet Mother. Was it when you first know, talks, a minute? No, I only watched it like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> it was one of your last talks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I bought it on DVD and then pause, it started jumping. Play. <laughs> <laughs> no, for me, it's always just about that still motion, like just pause, no motion. Oh no! Uh, if you're if you have it on DVD, you can a a b it, where you just get the loop that thing. Aye. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look back, goddamn thing. No, see, it's it's a joke until you get too specific about it, and then you're all like, "You've definitely done this." Goes from relation to very creepy. I'm just just aware of the function. Max actually don't. No, I get sure. I'm just aware of the function. Talk about a diplomatic sentence. That's like Karen being brought up for war crimes. I'm just aware of the function. Michael's done it. You know. What were you going to say about get shorty? I live with homosexual. I do not partake. I'm aware of the mechanics of it, you know. But what was I going to say? Get shorty. Is he like mechanics? No, surprisingly not. No. This is why he's trying to get a car, just so he can meet a few. <laughs> 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 
you know what? Plot you know what? When you put that notion in my head, no, it's it's not leaving. <laughs> but, uh, it goes deeper. <laughs> Shit gets deeper. <laughs> True Detective series three. Michael Bresson on the kids just. <laughs> <laughs> Where <laughs> he's trying to meet a man or something on that much. Yeah, so that. That. <laughs> like he's just sitting on this table and I'm taking this all the way to the top. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen him hanging around various exhaust fitting establishments. <laughs> I don't like it. They, they call he is a bald man after all. <laughs> they, call, they call Rory the greasy strangler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, it's no coincidence that those fucking locals next door to the mechanics like but Gil Shop, <laughs> wrap her up. What were we going to say? Did, All I right. not, did I not wrap up? He did. I know what I was saying. Like, get shorty. I tried to watch oh, it. Oh, so did you time. watch this week? No, it's not. No. Right. No, I, I, I watched it and then the DV started to skip and then I tried to get it back a few times and then I just went that fucking threw it on my shoulder. <laughs> didn't bother watching it. I don't care if it's Elmore Leonard. I wasn't really on it anyway. I don't like it that much. It's also on I, Netflix. I thought too. it was a wee bit of crack. Yeah, well. It's a bit of crack, but <laughs> I, d- I, don't like, I don't like that it's almost. It seems like rose tinted glasses because a lot of people look back and get shorty now as being like a really sort of quirky nineties film, and compared to the all really quirky burst and, the bubble, man. Yeah, but that I, I that com- fuck. compared to like the all quirky ambitious nineties films, it's actually really, really sort of conservative in many mm, ways, okay. and it's not as kind of uh, out there as what you. So when you watch it, sight and Jackie Brown shits on it. Yeah, when you watch it, it's like all right, this is just standard. It's not what anybody's fucking made it to be whatsoever. So that's I think. When I first watched it, I mean, I think that's what what done it for me. Well, yeah, I wasn't coming from that. I just seen it as just like a week, I know. But even as a standard, I don't think it's that great. I think it's okay. Shit. There you go. He's at the final fucking hammerhead in the coffin. I want to watch the sequel, Be Cool with The Rock. No. Anyway, what I've watched this week is... I wasn't wasn't done. Oh, no, you are done. But uh, (laughs) what I've watched this week is... No, no, you definitely are. I don't care if it's your pocket. You're done. (laughs) May I speak? May I speak, Michael? You can speak two against one. Uh. Oh, yes. <laughs> Democracy, baby! Oh, he looks very sad, though. He's sitting there in silence. And basically, you know what you're doing? You're fucking up your own podcast because you're just creating dead air. And fair enough, you can edit it out, but ain't nobody like that shit. Talk, boy. Right, Cafe Society. I was... That's <laughs> 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 all I was waiting for for you to try and say it one more time. <laughs> Scumbag. But the uh, Cafe Society, it's Woody Allen's new one. I think it was released about four or five months ago. And it's about uh, the Cafe Society in, like, uh, early 1930s in L.A. And, like, around New York. Just basically across America. But more so around New York and L.A., which were the more kind of built-up metropolises. And it's Jesse Eisenberg. His uncle, Steve Carell, is a big L.A. agent in, like, the sort of golden age of, like, Hollywood. And Jesse Eisenberg is, like, struggling to find a job in New York. So his uncle puts him up uh, with a job in L.A. as being basically just running errands for him and doing shitty fucking jobs, whatever else. But he eventually meets Kristen Stewart, who he falls in love with very quickly. And they start a romance. But the whole thing is, and it's and it's actually pretty well done because I don't really see it coming. Usually these things are sort of signposted, but it kind of caught me by surprise. Spoilers for Cafe Society. It happens about half an hour, but it's still a spoiler. And... Uh, it turns out that just after G.S.A. Eisenberg has finally wooed Christian Stewart because right. he's been chasing her for a long time, uh, he finds out that her former lover was Steve Carell, his uncle. Right. But she's still in love with Steve Carell, but she's also in love with G.S.A. Eisenberg, and it's this sort of love triangle thing going on. Uh, I don't want to spoil any more because of what happens in the, in the dynamic and the sort of relationship between them three. 
But what happens anyway is Jesse Eisenberg eventually gets sick of LA and ends up moving back to New York. And he finds another love. Uh, at this point, he's a nightclub owner. And basically, it's then sort of the duality of his new life in New York and his past coming back on him from LA. Uh, what I will say is that fucking absolutely gorgeous like i mean i think it's actually maybe one of Woody Allen's nicest looking films because obviously alan always kind of concerns himself with the characters and the writing and stuff like that and i wouldn't say that the visuals are an afterthought but he always just kind of does standard visuals sometimes you might get a nice wee frame you know like the very famous one in manhattan and and then the the what do you call it, the astro theater and annie hall and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that they're, they're very iconic but this for me at all the fucking alan films i've seen like i mean i know he's got like 70 i think i've seen about 25 or whatever but I think it's his nicest looking film. I think it, it looks fucking outstanding. And he kind of captures the opulence of like 1930s. Um, Is it set then? It's set in, set in the 1930s. Yeah, okay, 1930s okay. Hollywood. So I mean it's it kind of captures the opulence of like 1930s jazz era America. And he kind of captures... Uh, what, what, what's on this text? I was just wondering. Uh, I've been thrown don't, off. Don't bring that No, it was just a thing from Matt. Alright, okay. I'll, I'll just start that again. Uh, it kind of captures like 1930s opulence and the opulence of like uh, sort of just a golden age of cinema and it kind of captures the opulence of the jazz here and everything looks absolutely incredible be it costumes and makeup and it all just adds up to being just a, it's like a visual treat really which is strange for an Allen film because usually like I was saying before you're always just kind of focused on the characters and the script so it's nice then they have this they back it up uh, I think out of all this modern stuff, I really like Midnight in Paris. I didn't really like Two Room of Love. I didn't really like Vicky Cristina Barcelona. But I think it's one of his, or one of my favorites of his over the past like maybe decade or fifteen years. Simple story, you know, it's revolving around essentially maybe three primary characters, but it's nice. And I, usually, Alan kind of falls in love with himself sometimes in his own screenwriting and he kind of maybe overanalyzes things and maybe he kind of overwrites stuff sometimes just to kind of show off his intellect but i think as the years have went on he's kind of stopped doing that because he knows that he doesn't have to prove himself anymore so it's just a lot of a simpler story and the characters are likable and the situation that they're in is, is engaging and you don't quite know who you want to root for and because it's nice to look at it just it just ends up being being a good film also as well it's kind of strange and i read a review i think it was the new york times or something like that i can't really remember but uh, alan actually narrates it and it's nice because alan narrates it so it kind of harks back to that sort of historical feeling as well because alan used to narrate and obviously star in his own film so hearing him narrate a film even though he doesn't appear anymore because he doesn't react as much kind of gives you that sort of I wouldn't say Rose Tanta, but that sort of nostalgic view of like, you know, stuff like Radio Days or stuff like Manhattan or Annie Hall. It gives it like a feeling of an old Woody Allen film, but it's mm. also got the sheen of like a new Woody Allen film. And it's just, I think it's a nice marriage of the both of them, I think, anyway. But it's kind of sad, and this is what the New York Times article was saying, is that in his narration, it's like the first time, because he's like 81 now in like two months, it's the first time that you can start to hear his age. Because obviously Woody Allen's got such a distinctive and sort of... I would say just famous voice, really, and he's got like a yeah, sort of certain crack it out for us. No, I'm not gonna crack it. Out, but he, <laughs> but he's got such he's he's got such like a sort of rhythm to his voice, and he's got such a, a charisma and an assuredness in his voice. But in, in this, and it's not put on; it's just the fact that the man's fucking eighty, and he's coming to like the sort of twilight years of his life. It sounds very cracked and sort of beat down, 
and for a Woody Allen fan, that kind of adds a wee bit of sadness there too, because he's reflecting on this era that he's obsessed with, the 1930s, uh, and he's basically, in a way, reflecting on his own career as well, because there's a lot of wee sort of references on there to Manhattan and to like, even Radio Days and uh, Purple Rose of Cairo, and it's almost like he's reflecting on his own career, and fair enough, he'll probably still like, churn out a couple of our films before like, he passes what way on. Is he reflecting his own career? I think just, it's the first time I've seen an Allen film, but there's literally the very same shot from uh, Manhattan of the bench looking up at the Brooklyn Bridge, but there's no character sitting, and then the music from Manhattan starts playing over it when he goes back to New York, and then there's the whole thing about the New Year's Eve party towards the end, and that's completely reflective of Radio Days, because Radio Days is all about a big opulent like 1920s, 1930s, New Year's party, and for me, it just seemed like he was kind of touching upon some of his last milestones in his career. And I don't know, maybe in a way, it's some kind of this is just me fucking speculating, but in a way, it felt to me that it's him touching upon his own career because he realizes that he maybe doesn't have long left. Now, fair, I think he'll live for another 10 or 15 years, but because he's he's, only, he's he's about to fucking release a new Amazon series too, like for fuck's sake. So, oh, yeah, what do you yeah, call it? I can't remember. Of something? Yeah, I can't remember, but obviously, his last actual film, though. yeah, he's keeping himself busy. Obviously, he's gonna be quite wrapped up now with his Amazon series, but it was just nice as an Alan fan to see these wee kind of references back. And also, in a way, just that song coming full circle because he's now written, but you can hear his age. He's reflecting on a time period he loves. He's referencing his own films of yesteryear, and it just seems that uh, maybe maybe he's going on this song different because he's never done TV before. And you might be right, we might be wrong, but maybe he is. Maybe leaving film behind, and then maybe after his TV series at eighty-one years of age, he'll take a fucking much-deserved break. But I don't know maybe like the sort of casual viewer won't get that but for me it was nice to see and also uh, Jesse Eisenberg excellent uh, Chris and Shirt it's it's obviously Woody Allen is Woody Allen <coughs> he always commands a fucking excellent cast people queue up they fucking be in his films I was going to say though has Jesse Eisenberg been in a Woody Allen film before? he was before? in Taroma Love two years ago with Ellen Page because that's shite in fairness I mean I mean seeing because we Baldwin has Baldwin has? I, I, I think Alec Baldwin has oh no but the, no is Alec Baldwin that in Blue Jasmine? With Kate Blanchett? No, he plays the older Jesse Eisenberg, doesn't he? And Two Rooms Love. Nah, no, you're right, actually. You're right. I just, uh, I, I can't really mind that film as much, but... Because no, I mind seeing the trailer for Cafe Society, and uh, just Jesse Eisenberg's obviously playing the Woody Allen character, and just, he makes so much sense as that character. Like, is it, was he basically that in Two, Two Rooms with Love as well? Not or? as much in Two Rooms with Love, but in this, it is... He wouldn't even really have... You wouldn't really have to have a fucking great knowledge of Woody Allen films. They realize that Jesse Eisenberg is basically just Woody Allen loving vicariously through fucking Jesse yeah, Eisenberg. Like, like it's like Larry David and whatever works. Yeah, and so exactly. It's just Woody Allen. Because it is Woody Allen. And, you know, Jesse Eisenberg is a young, and which is a big thing for Woody Allen. He's a Jewish actor. And also we just, through his acting style, I think Jesse Eisenberg kind of resembles Will in many ways. He is the sort of young sort of boyish looking neurotic fella and he, he's played that in like the social network he's played that in Adventureland and he's kind of carved out a certain niche for doing that and I'm not saying that he's trying to emulate Woody Allen but it's a perfect fit I think Yeah. if you want somebody to kind of carry the torch or basically represent Woody Allen in his younger years then Jesse Eisenberg is probably going to be one of the best fits for it but yeah he is he is basically doing that but uh, cool. it's 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 nice it's a good film it looks amazing uh, it's a simple script but it works well uh, great cast Blake Lively actually who I think is a, a pretty underrated actress a lot of people see her as just kind of like a, a like a 
whatever what would you call it? like a sex icon or a sex whatever sex, <laughs> sex icon <laughs> no, what do you call it? like a, a just a, a sex beautiful symbol, woman a sex icon <laughs> sorry not a sex icon but a sex symbol a lot of people see her as a sex symbol and they only kind of relate back the sort of gossip girl and stuff but i think she's actually a fucking really good actress i'm re-watching gospel girl in a minute i've never watched it i don't think I ever will gospel girl gospel, gospel. girl yes <laughs> but uh she's very good she's actually in it for about 10 or 15 minutes but there's something really nice and delicate about her performance. She is uh, in a relationship with Jesse Eisenberg. I'll not explain why or whatever. But there's something really tender about her relationship and something kind of sad as well when she kind of sees what Jesse Eisenberg is. But, that, no, I enjoyed it a lot more than what I was expecting because, you know yourself, new Woody Allen can be very, very hot and miss. Mm. You know, you, you could get Midnight in Paris one day, but then you could get fucking, you know, Two Room of Love the next day or, you know, whatever else because he's usually got one, maybe two films every year. But that, no... Really, really good. And who else on it? Just as a final note, uh, Corey Stoll, who we were talking about in the last episodes on it, as Jesse Eisenberg's brother. And he basically plays Jesse's gangster brother. And it's nice because I've never, well, to my knowledge, I can't remember seeing it in a Woody Allen film before. But as a wee sort of very money subplot during Cafe Society, you've got this thing going on with Corey Stoll basically going about and killing boys and being like a 1930s Jewish gangster and I've never seen Woody Allen do violence or any sort of fucking action scene now fair enough it's very stripped down action but it was interesting to see and it fits and it works but it's it's good I liked it cool nice one Herma do you watch this week uh, Run Lola Run oh yeah <clears throat> you see it nah any good it's got uh, is it Frank the Potente uh, Frank Potente or something like that was it 99 or 98? 98, aye. I mean, people probably know her as the love interest in the point identity. <laughs> and uh, she gets killed oh, God. in the second one. At the start. But does Spoilers she come back? Supremacy. Does she come back? Does she not? Does she? No, she doesn't. <laughs> but, um, I really need to watch the Bourne films again. I really don't. Alright, no, she <laughs> does come back. No, she doesn't. She comes um, back and then she dies again. Yeah. Cause she's a robot. Very good. Like, but <laughs> she's see, with a the, see with the original Born trilogy, like Identity, Supremacy, and fucking Ultimatum, I like them, but I, d- I don't understand why I people like them. like them so much. I think they're good. I think just at the I time, the one, I, think I think the first one's boring. But I think just at the time it was on about different, yeah. like kind of action yeah, spy wise. That, that straight away dated the <clears throat> the, the spy genre. Like. No, hundred percent. I love the fact that basically born very, I born very quickly because I think we discussed in like the second or third episode. Born very quickly became the new Bond, and then it's interesting to see that Bond copied what Born done. They reinvent Bond, yep. so it was yeah. almost like yeah, the the creator imitating the imitator basically. You know what I mean? Yep. But uh, anyway, that's that's a side point. Go on. Um. Uh. What was I gonna say? Ah, yeah, no. Potente anyway. Um. Ah, roll another one. Um, it, it's a whole film. It's 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 three acts, uh, of the same story played three times, but with different choices. Yeah. So the first choice happens, and then you get to the end of it, and then something happens where the character goes, uh, I'm not ready to fucking throw the title on this one yet, and then you go back to the start again, and the the day is played out slightly differently and how that choice affects this and so on and whatever is and then, is it done like they're actually going back or is it just this see, is it from a different thing it's, it's set up like a video game basically that's i think that's the whole thing it's, on this it's sort of but the, the thing i can see what you mean about the video game thing but 
it's one of these things that I was asking a question the whole way through it. Um, is it simply illustrating to the audience these three choices, or does Lola or the boyfriend, uh, are like do they know the but they've already done? Are they consciously aware of the previous time? And yeah, we call it fun the time travel. Back to the future. No. no, the 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 really like low budget one where the primer, I primer, primer. it's kind of like primer. Yeah. It's supposed to be everything you see in that film. They've already done it a bunch of times, so they know what way it goes. Or yeah, but primer's like overly analytical and obviously doesn't really think about fun. I think that run Lola run can be read in an analog- uh, an analytical level, but at the same time, it is kind of about fun as well, and it's about having this sort of I don't know like. They always say it's kind of been informed by like late nineties, like techno, which is massive in Germany and Eastern Europe, and it is. It's got that fucking sort of pumping soundtrack through it, and it's it's about like the a sort of Western energy. Though? I know, but no, but it's no, but no, that's but the music's saying. not German though. No, no, but it's obviously just about like uh, you know the, the the music of the time, like European fucking yeah. techno and stuff like that. But there's this sort of pumping energy to it, and I think it's more just kind of uh, about energy as well, as opposed to what you know the narrative level. Uh, what saying. I think as well. Uh, for a film that had no studio behind it or nothing, I think it is one of the the pure anomalies that and things like Once that just managed to grab people mm. and managed to find a big distributor. And now I think it's the only distributor that's Sony now. But at the time, it was just an indie. It was shot around Berlin. And, uh, <clears throat> but they managed to put it together, find a distributor. And uh, that's the only reason. It was just because yeah. they sent a few festivals and it got its audience. Which, to be fair, is, is sort of a rare thing that somebody hands you a pot of gold. Like, mm. you know, the people say it is, I'll get the festivals, but it is sort of a rare thing, unless you go, uh, they film markets and things like this here. But anyway, um, <clears throat> the film, as I say, it plays out the same storyline three times. The thing, because I was sitting there going, what the, how the, f- how the fuck is this going to be interesting? Like, you know, because it's like, oh, I do this definitely, do that definitely, do this here, and you're like, right. The the, ma- the the thing that makes the, it interesting is the seam between uh, the first and second act and the second and third act. That's the thing that makes mm. you go, all right, this is sort of what it's about. Yeah. And <clears throat> the thing of me saying that, uh, are they conscious of the previous times they've done it? Is that there's a point in the first one where the boyfriend says, you need to pull the safety off that gun. And she's like, whatever, and she does it. And then the second time round... She has a gun for a different reason, but she just looks at it and does it conscious. She doesn't need to be yeah. told how to do it, so she knows it. So ah. there's obviously something learned there from Act One to Two, and you're like going, "Is it? Is the film in her head? Has she played out these events over and over?" But then the, the strange thing happens then is is that the last act kind of plays out from his point of view, more so from his point of view. It's pretty much just Rashomon. Like I've always said, it's just Rashomon. Like you know, it's just like yeah, a yeah, fucking yeah. sort of. Modernized Rashomon, you know What's what I mean? Rashomon? It's like Kira Kurosawa. It's the it's pretty much like looked upon by film scholars as being the first film to choose the same thing three times, but from three different points of view. And that's what Run Lola Run Lola. Uh, I can't even get it. Run Lola Run does. But um, Isn't a hero probably tried to do the Rashomon thing. Yeah, mm. but I mean, like it's it's just I mean it's it was a, he's a Tom Twiker. Who is it? Tom Twiker. Tom Twiker. It's Tom Twiker's version of that, but obviously with more added techno and kineticism and stuff and maybe not as and because I mean Rashomon's about a fucking rip and like three different perspectives of a rip whereas this 
it's it's more lighthearted. It's about her trying to get this money back off. What is a drug dealer? I can't remember. I think the whole film starts where it starts with this one event of of uh, the boyfriend telling the story of he went on a train with a hundred grand, which was drug money mm. that was going to be transported or something like this here. And uh, I think he's seen cops, and just as a reaction, he got up and like, got off the train, and then forgot the money. And mm-hmm. then he was like, fuck, 100 grand's gone. And so Lola, because she's in love with him, she she tries to think of a way to get 100 grand before 12 o'clock. And mm-hmm. the whole thing is that he says, right, if I don't get this money by 12 o'clock, I'm robbing the supermarket across the street from the payphone he's calling. And so straight away it's called Roland Alarm because she's literally in, in, in the space of the film essentially takes place in about 25 minutes in, in their time but in uh, us it's an hour all and the girl, it's only like 87 minutes long too. it's, a, it's a very I short film or like 80 minutes or something it's yeah, really yeah, yeah. short yeah. it's really good it's really it, it's cool and it's interesting I mean because it's essentially you know five or six working parts mm. uh, the same street you know so imagine this, like, you know, you go to a street, oh, we're shooting this here, we're shooting, we're shooting scene 18, we're also shooting scene 27, and we're yeah. also shooting scene 39, yeah. we're just shooting it different ways, so it's like the same band, the same thing, whatever, we're just doing it slightly differently, it's the same angle even, mm. and that's sort of the point of the film, but it's also a good lesson in how to make a film like it, if you work out a way, a way to do it, a reason to do it, and that yeah. film really does that well, yeah. it was made on fuck all as well, you know. And the reason I've always like kind of run little run as well is that digital and, too. And I hate yeah, I hate using this word because it's always just such a cop out word to describe someone that's not easily categorized. But it is quirky, but not quirky for the reason you think. Oh, it's 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 so different. I just like that. Like Herma saying, it is a tick on Rashomon, but filtered through sort of nineties Berlin rave culture. It's got this really interesting thing to say about choices and how your choices can change. Mm-hmm. It's also got this sort of video game aesthetic where all this sort of otherworldly or like magic realism stuff happens. And it's just a lot of fun, really. Like, you know, but, but mm-hmm. which while also having those kind of messages. And I think that's why maybe it stood out to the investors when it went to those festivals, considering yeah. it was made on fucking buttons. Uh, and why well, it stands really out to cool. It's really yeah. cool, edited. Yeah. It's really, you know, it's a very kinetic film. Music is a strange choice for a film. And it's really cool. And that's why I'm saying about the whole soundtrack. The soundtrack, I mean, they always say, well, George Lucas was not that said that uh, cinema's 50% audio and 50% visual. And I think no, that I think is... he said more. More? <laughs> I think he said audio's more than more. visual. Well, I'm finished. Uh, that's one That's one of the films... That was, that's one of the films he would hold up as a, like a, as a, as a template because... I think that without the soundtrack or that sort of pulsing techno fucking soundtrack that Run Lola Run has, it wouldn't work as well. I think it's it's one of those films that not only does it add to the sort of rhythm and the intensity of the film, but it's again that kineticism we're talking about, that movement between sound and image, and it just works really fucking yeah. well. Like, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, I've heard you say that quote a few times and the percentage always changes. I <laughs> so, and because I, originally I thought it was 40-60 and then somebody says to me, no, it was more, so I assumed it was 50-50. I've heard you say one. like Two 90. <laughs> no, was, no, I've never said 90. I've never said 90% no, audio, 10% image. Yeah, oh, but you said music? I will never, you, you I've never said, said 90% music. Well, I've, know, I've, never, I've, ne- I've never went that full on with, ever. But... Uh, 
I'm really struggling to say rundle the run. Yeah. Er goddamn time. Rundle the run. Aaron, wrap it up. Um, I mean, to be honest, I think I'll probably have another look at it and see a wee bit more of it. It's quite on the surface at the minute, from what I can see, because, you know, it's the kind of thing on a budget, it's very hard to throw, like, deep subplots in there that are kind of telling mm. of of a society. And I think that's sort of the point. It was actually part of a lecture that we watched it. And he was the point that the lecturer was making was that you could set that film anywhere. Just because yep. it's Berlin doesn't mean it's a good film. You could set that in Belfast and, and the film is exactly the same. I agree. Do I do agree mean? because Berlin, it's, it's literally just a backdrop. It's a great backdrop. Uh, it's just a great backdrop and it looks it. nice. Yeah. And I think that one of my, for me on a personal level, one of my main uh, likes about the film is that obviously, like we've talked about before, I absolutely love Berlin. We all love Berlin, one of our favourite places on earth and stuff like that. But it was just nice to see Berlin in like 98 or 99 before we ever went there. I don't know, it was just, it was almost like at some points I was kind of taking out of the film and just kind of looking at the backdrops and stuff again, looking how Berlin's changed in the last 20 years and thinking, oh, this is almost like a wee sort of travelogue for me. Yeah, I mean, but that's just a personal mm. thing. But no, Heron's right. I mean, you could shoot that film in fucking Timbuktu and it wouldn't really make a difference. You know what I mean? Have you ever been to where they shot it? No, well, see, the, the since I've rewatched it again... 50-50, yeah, right. 50-50, was it? Yeah. It was 50-50, well, you Sound of music or 50% of the entertainment in the movie. Yeah, baby. Shan's Sh- looking at me, <laughs> like, really smugly, like, ha-ha, you were wrong. <laughs> I've been I, wrong so many times. I, it's, it, I wasn't saying what the percentage was. All I'm saying is I've heard you say many different percentages over the, I over the years. It's not about the percentage. Oh, it's now about, it's not over the percentage. it's not about the percentage. Mickey, it's after him idea. looking at me very smugly Mickey, and sticking his tongue It's not about the crime. It's how you sell the crime. He's over here. It doesn't matter if you're guilty, man. Miley Cyrus it's the story we fucking tell to get you off and it's like God, you going about done that I didn't yeah. do anything we had him, go, we had him going for six weeks like, we came up with this master plan to fuck you about with percentages <laughs> for like two years it was funny 85% funny. you said this would have been a podcast of all, all the perfect crimes. percentages <laughs> we've, basically, we, we've been building this over like the last 75 weeks or whatever it is yeah 70 well, well it's not because we've had gaps and yeah, I counter for them I counter for them Mickey it's more than 75 so I watched On or Lon On or Lon whatever On or Lon the Berlin picture <laughs> okay we shall move on to topics <sighs> this week's topic is new Rogue One trailer woo right. that's a good topic wasn't it yeah okay we're going to no, right. The thing is, a new Rogue One trader, so you know. Right. Sensible. Need talk. This is serious. Let's carried away. Uh, uh. This is a serious Star Wars film. There's no fun. There's no laughter. Well, this is war. This is the war of the stars. In fairness, <laughs> to kick off these very serious points one no, obviously i'm not a, <laughs> very no, but, no, but I, I mean i'm not a big star wars fan you are a huge star wars fan but there's something strange about rogue one that i don't know if it's the promotional material i seen today that somebody put up a list of the star wars posters and they were complaining that it doesn't look like an actual star wars 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Poster because... Uh, no, but there, it, it doesn't have like, the same sort of artwork and stuff like that. But for me, as like an outsider to the whole fucking Star Wars universe, and I know there's fucking so many people who are crazy about it doesn't feel like a Star Wars film. Even though fucking it's the return of Darth Vader, which should be the biggest fucking thing ever, but it I don't know, it doesn't it doesn't feel like one. I think as well one thing I don't like about it is that obviously you've got the original Star Wars trilogy and those actors back in Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, whatever else, they weren't big names at the time, but then obviously since that they've become well, most of them have become superstars and they're completely connected with those roles. And then when they recast then for the prequels, Hayden Christensen and even Natalie Portman back then weren't big names. And then again with uh, The Force Awakens, you had like Daisy Ridley and John Boyega. Very sort of low-key actors. You're now going to be like the next big thing. What I don't like about Rogue One is that I think they've cast maybe too big. I know that Lily Collins isn't a fucking huge actress. I know that as a Lily Collins, doesn't no. it? No, but I, I, I always get them mixed up. Who Felicity is it again? Jones. I always get Lily Collins and Felicity Jones. Right, mixed the up. fact I think, you're I saying think... they're too big and you didn't know who it was. Oh no, but I always I, honestly, I, I, Jones was I, she? Was she? She was Stephen Hawking's wife and uh, the. Was she one of the? Was she an X Men? No, no, she no. was not an X Men. But even at that too, I mean, I know Riz Ahmed or yeah, Riz Ahmed and stuff like that. He's just been the night of, and he's not. Like, but they seem too well known. The fact in Rogue that, One and Rogue One, I Riz Ahmed's on there. I from the night of he's he's one of like the sort of main characters I don't know I think no it's not him yeah that's him Reza Ahmed's on there the boy that speaks in the trailer or no I don't know if he speaks in the trailer but he is one of the char- he's one of the main oh, characters okay. in uh, Rogue One but I don't know I think they've cast too big so I think the company and this is just again a personal thing for me I think that they've cast too big they haven't went for complete unknowns because I mean like fucking she's been nominated for an Oscar and stuff like that she's out there people know her and stuff she's not huge also the fact that I know maybe they're trying to go away from it. Maybe they're trying to be a wee bit grittier because I know Gareth Edwards, who directed Godzilla, who's doing Rogue One, kind of stripped down Godzilla. And while they bring it more on the real world, he's kind of maybe doing a bit of Nolan on fucking uh, on Star Wars. But considering the whole Star Wars hype and how people have really kicked back into their love of like, the sort of nostalgic Star Wars, especially after Force Awakens, which done such a good job of kind of the old and the new... Um, I don't know. I kind of feel sort of place they years on. I think the sure. reason they made a cast big is because anybody that knows Star Wars and like to be fucking honest, if you don't know the Star Wars story by now, and you're our age, or even if you're ten years younger than us, you've been hiding under a fucking pile of coats yeah. for twenty years. You know what I mean? And so I think the reason for that is because you know we know the eventuality of this, mm. so it's kind of going like 
we don't want to hang uh, these stakes because, like with the Star Wars, like the main storyline, it's it's uncertain stakes. Like the story is uncertain where it's going. Mm. Whereas this, we know the eventuality of what happens, and so technically, it kind of makes these characters expandable because we know the plans. Yeah, and we know, and we know what's going to happen. All is here, and I think that maybe why they've cast people like Forrest Whitaker and things like that, you yeah, know. But I mean, you could say like you know, free cast and big and stuff like that. But certainly, the bigger risk was the Force Awakens, and yeah, we but the risk was taken away in the fact that they had the original cast of Harrison Ford and all that. But an even bigger risk was kind of trying to recreate them, basically uh, make the new generation like yeah. you know the John Vegas and the Daisy Ridley's. That was a bigger risk, and that worked. And I think it would have worked again with Rogue mm. One. I don't know. I mean, like, let's be honest. Forrest Whitaker and fucking, you know, uh, fucking uh, Felicity uh, Jones and uh, stuff like that. They are the biggest fucking see, actors on earth. But it just doesn't... Uh, for me, it seems like a second... Not a second budget, but it seems like a kind of under-radar sci-fi as opposed to feeling like a Star Wars film, as opposed to feeling like an event. Uh, no, and fair enough, you can shoehorn an invader, but... I don't know. It just I don't. Well, I don't I'm what, not getting what, that feeling. What I'm trying it. to say is right. Is that with with for example, The Force Awakens, you have a story, which is the main story, which all, which is technically quite well established, and it's probably the biggest story. And to be honest, the story is kind of the star in Force Awakens, mm. really. So it's such a interesting, captivating story, and you've got all that sort of, uh, you know, Joseph Campbell stuff where. where it is really man with a thousand faces, but it's moving on to that now, and and it's changing and it's warping. And but the story is kind of starring that. Whereas with this, I think they're going with an uphill struggle because we know what the story is already. It's a way to make a story as part of a smaller story more interesting. So to do that, you really have to bank on these wee small performances. You have to bank on good drama between the characters as opposed to just the story and that's why you cast big actors because yeah, you are assured that you're going to get these wee performances well see I, I don't really get that because I mean yeah you're, you're trying to bank on good performances and stuff like that there but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to kind of get on actors who've been in big fucking productions before you can get really good performances off new and hungry actors and stuff like that like they did in The Force Awakens I don't think that because it's Felicity Jones or it's Forrest Whitaker you're going to feel any more about the characters and I know what you're I'm saying, not saying about, I, I'm not no, saying I agree I'm just, I'm just yeah. saying I think no, that's I, I, why they made it on it I know but I mean like if that was the case and that was the mindset that they had then they'd be trying to get fucking you know the biggest actors as opposed to these kind of run- I think because, it's a, I mean, it's a, t- it's a they, tight they, thing these, they walk between though do you know what I mean but I think they could, they could very easily just get people like the there's the John Boyega's you know newcomers and I think because it's Star Wars it's always going to fucking make box but office it's I, always going to be huge because we know the eventuality I, people are going to be interested to see how the fucking Death Star was exploded and stuff like that but, no, no, but I don't that's, that, that's, my, that's my thing you, you've seen it and so it's the story of you kind of go right if we do this story this unknown story which we know the end of anyway and you cast nobody you, I, I personally think you'd be all I know this story. What the fuck's this here? You know, and to be honest, it'd be like if Animatrix was releasing the cinema, you're kind of going, I don't really care. Yeah. Well, see, I, I, mean? I, I think you'd be care just as much. I think that it's, for me, and only personally, it's one of the few times because it's Star Wars and it is the biggest franchise in fucking cinematic history, no doubt, that mm. they actually for once could have got away we cast on unknowns. I think that the caliber of the actor or the exposure of the actor is kind of irrelevant. You know what I mean? Yeah. To be honest, for for a story that small, I, I really think they make it interesting. I, I, be honest, if if even if it was me, I'm just commenting something like that. There, 
it's it, I think it is a safeguard for it. It it it's it's ensuring a draw because it, it is like the animatrix as I just said. I think it, I really think it is, and I, I think it's if you cast bigger actors to it, it is kind of adding another draw to the film. Yeah. It's kind of going fuck. I wouldn't mind seeing him in a fucking Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I fuck that's kind of cool. You get Mads Mikkelsen. You get you, you get all these fucking interesting. Uh, you know, it's just like fuck. I wouldn't mind seeing what they bring mm-hmm. to it, and it's. But I'm I'm just saying adding all these interesting flavors and their Star Wars. But I just think it's a safeguard that they don't really need because it is Star Wars, and either way, it's going to get this focus, and you're going to feel what you want to feel about these right. characters on this basically suicide fucking mission. See if it was a story because essentially Rogue One's a deleted scene. In my yeah. opinion, it's a deleted it's, scene. Uh, it's, it's a two-hour deleted scene now. Exactly, and a deleted scene with a very, un- a very, 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 very interesting deleted scene. A, a very interesting two-hour-long deleted scene from Star Wars with unknown actors. I wouldn't want to see it. Really? Wouldn't want to see it. So you're basically you're saying you're going to go see Rogue One because Mads Mikkelsen and Forrest Whitaker. I'm interested to see because there's nothing more in that than the character dynamics because we know what fucking happens. Yeah, but that's your saying. You're saying there's no more in there but the character dynamics but certainly <laughs> if you've got a actor of any sort of caliber then they can bring out that character. It doesn't necessarily I'm say, have I'm to be it, any name. I would probably watch it but it, w- it wouldn't... Dr- I mean... <sighs> I mean, it's one thing to like follow a star on things here but I think it's fair enough to follow interesting actors because they tend to pick interesting stories you've got three actors you've got Baz Mikkelsen you've got Forrest Whitaker and you've got what Lassity Jones no well I well not really I'm not really interested in her but uh, what do you call him from uh, oh fuck what do you call him he's in Killing Him Softly and he's in Bliss Me Out the Pines he's Darf's kind of right hand man in it Ben Mendelsohn Ben Mendelsohn like that those three together really attract me to this yeah. film in fairness I do love Ben Mendelsohn and it's like, why are they going to this script, which is essentially a deleted scene from Star Wars? And that's what interests me. Well, the reason they're going to that script in a very cynical way is because of Star Wars and the fucking money's huge. And obviously it's a very... They're not money men, though. But no, none I of them free actors are money men. Like. But it's a, it's a very interesting fucking storyline in itself because the whole thing about the Death Star being blown up in the first one is that it is the main thing that kind of kicks out the Star Wars vibe. And it's nice they have this sort of backstory, especially with Vader coming back. People are thinking, oh, fuck, this is touching back now. Because we've had The Force Awakens, as we were saying, which is the marriage of the old and the new. And this going back to, like, one of the main moments in the original trilogy. And it's almost kind of a wee shoehorn on the mm-hmm. actually what happened. But I don't know, for me, anyway, I'm going to sit here all night and talk about this. I don't think that the star thing, for me, anyway, is, is, is a huge thing. I think that you could add anyone on there and it would be just as interesting because it is Star Wars and it's about this seminal moment in that sort of lore see I don't think blowing up the Death Star is that interesting because we've just seen it in Force Awakens and we've seen it in Star Wars for ages you've seen it in Force Awakens and so if this whole film is building to that but I think no they're not going to blow up I know they're not going to but I'm saying the the whole you know event of why they're doing what they're doing as they blow up the Death Star do you not think that the blowing up of the Death Star that is secondary because they know that absolutely everybody who's on the Star Wars knows what that is do you not think that the main crux of the story will be about the plans and how they actually came to actually then eventually blow up the Death Star yeah well that's why anybody's interested it's not about Mm. you're just after saying there no you wish we've just seen the Death Star being blown up why would you be interested it's the same thing but I'm saying that that's why I think it's going to be a good story is because it's attracted good actors like this here because there must be a decent script but in there. Anything with Star Wars attached, you could attract every fucking actor on Earth. That's, um, that's no, what I'm trying I don't to think say. So. I, well, I, I, I disagree. Don't know. But I'm, I'm just thinking that I don't think that the actor thing. Uh, the actor thing for me pulls me. Actually, it's the complete opposite. He pulls me out of it a bit because I'm seeing those actors and I have an attachment to their past roles, whereas the whole thing about any other Star Wars I've seen 
it's been lesser knowns. You know what I mean? Well, and, and mm. the, the the newer ones, obviously, one of us fucking being brought up with the original trilogy, they were famous by mm. the time I was even fucking born. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's I don't know. But from from a massive Star Wars fan, you <sighs> yeah. you, you give your opinion. Bring it. Well, the thing with Rogue One is it's. It's something. It's something <laughs> new, and you were you were talking about all the previous Star Wars films, and they've always had like unknowns in their core and stuff. But this this is something new. They've never done a story that's away from the episodes. You know what I mean? It, like even if you look at the like the Clone Wars animated film, like that still was the Clone Wars that was addressed in Episode Two and Three. Like, and obviously this is. This is filling in a bit of the story from episode four, but it's still the first film they've ever done that's one of the anthology films, you know what I mean? Mm. And so I think they they have they have a bit of leeway there to do something different, to make it I think they have to do something different to make it distinct from the episodes. And like I think there was a story that came out and said that like this film isn't gonna start with an open crawl you know what i mean I like, like so that's reserved for the episodes and then this is just a star wars story like i, I preferred star wars anthology but they changed it to a star wars story which i think sounds about enough but it does it does but uh yeah what was i saying <laughs> all right so this i think they're trying to kick off some newbies here and making it distinct that this is where star wars can try and do something different and mm. in the way with the marvel films either all comic book films but then you have the differences between them like ant-man's a heist film doctor strange is going to be more of like a horror kind of mental reality film or whatever like the multi soldiers like a political thriller yeah like you have those different kind of genres in there and i think that's what the star wars anthology films are going to be the episode films are going to be pure star wars films yeah. but then they have a chance with the star wars stories to make them slightly different like the han solo film is being directed by phil lord and chris miller so that will be probably way more comedic Should be very interesting yeah so you know i think that's why they're trying to make the distinctions now and with garth edwards he's he said from the very beginning that this is going to be a war film because mm. it's called Star Wars. <laughs> you know what I mean? And be- I have a wild feeling it's going to be shit as well. Just by the way, I I maybe I agree with hearing that one. I think that's the reason that. Now, fair enough. You can only tell so much from a trailer, but I mean, sometimes it kind of gives you a good indication. Uh, but I'm not really looking forward to that much, and I think again. It's not just because the actor. War film? It's it's not just because the actor thing or nothing like that there, but like I said at the very start of this fucking topic, is that it doesn't feel like a Star Wars film. And I know what you're saying; they're trying to do something different and stuff like that. But for me, I wouldn't mind that if it was a Star Wars film completely sort of unconnected to the main lore. But this is like one of the seminal moments in the whole fucking Star Wars saga. But mm. so I think it should aesthetically, because it doesn't even even through its look. And I know what you're saying; it's maybe trying to be a bit more realist and Edward's just trying to take it down another path and I respect that, I really, really respect that and what they're trying to do. But I think that because it's so entwined in the original Star Wars and, like I said again, like one of the main moments, it should at least feel like it. Because even visually it doesn't even look like it colour-wise and stuff like that from that trailer. I just didn't get the feeling of a Star Wars film. I don't know. And I think for me personally... Fuck, I say for me personally, Stags, I've just realised that in this episode. <laughs> but uh, I think that 
a lot of people who are, and I guarantee that 80% of the people who are going to see Rogue One are expecting a typical Star Wars film with a new twist. I think it may be a bit jarring for the bigger audience and seeing something that not only doesn't look like Star Wars mm. and doesn't have the opening crawl. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing, I do respect it, but I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of goes see down. See if I was a kid going to see Force Awakens and then seeing that uh, thing of uh, the rebellion around that table with the Death Star and then seeing it from the trailer in Rogue One of the Death Star again going, are they talking about that Death Star or the other Death mm. Star? Because in the trailer they call it the weapon as well. Yeah. Because cause it hasn't been... Because it's always yet. been called... They call it the weapon. Then they call it the Death Star as time went on. And now in Force Awakens, they call it the weapon again. No, they I, call it's Sky Killer base. No, but it was called the weapon, arm and the weapon. I guess they, got, they use that. No, no. I think I do. Probably. It's Sky, Sky Killer base when... Uh, the Arm and the Weapon and all the there. snarling performance of all time on that in Force Awakens. Mm. Yeah. When he's literally just <laughs> chewing out words. Uh, but... What I was going to say is, like you're saying, it might be a bit jarring, the, like this grittier take on it or whatever they got here, but it makes sense in the timeline of the thing because Star Star Wars A New Hope kicks off like Jedi coming back and all that. Kind of, so this this has been a war where the Jedi have been eradicated. Mm. And I, I watched the, the cartoon show Star Wars Rebels as well where... There's yeah. still some Jedi left after Order 81 or whatever it's called, or 51 from uh, Revenge of the Sith, where basically just all the clone troopers turned on Jedi and killed them all. Clone trooper. Spoilers for Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in, in Rebels, it's just, it's about this ragtag group of rebels that's trying to fight against ragtag the Empire. Ragtag bunch of misfits. You know, it's, it's a kid's TV show, so it never gets that... that real dark like but there, it has a nice Star Wars feel about it but I kind of get a similar feel from that with this Rogue One obviously it's way more darker and way more realistic or human or whatever but not human that's a bad word but uh, I kind of get similar vibes from it because it's this group of rebels trying to just fight back against the Empire mm-hmm. in this very down time and it is a war and the Jedis used to be the protectors of the fucking galaxy and now the they're all galaxy. They're fucking galaxy, <laughs> man. And you know now they're all gone, and there's this pyre coming down on them, and it's about right. these these group of people trying to fight back. What's well, interesting is actually in the trailer you don't actually see any Jedi because yeah. there aren't any Jedi. Uh, like there's there's the there Jedi are, they're fucking, there's a couple of people that mention like the just, Force and uh, stuff, but on that road, just. But I in safe houses and fucking. But I don't think there's stuck in the brand I will. <laughs> But I don't think there's actually going to be any Jedi in this film. Well, that, that, that could be a thing. It they're could either be what they're all searching for, they're Jedi. either all dead or hi- in hiding. They're fucking Obi Wan's not. Hey, Obi Obi Wan's fucking in hiding. He's, He's fucking hiding in Tatooine. Keep an eye on fucking look. Oh. <laughs> Keeping a fucking BDA. You know what a strange thing is? Is that I agree with everything you're saying about the aesthetic changes to Rogue One and what Gareth Edwards wants to do, and I really respect that. But I think it's one of the few times ever. That I would, I would actually prefer if they were more conservative. I mean, like, usually I'm all for, like, creative freedom and taking on and making it sound different and trying to put a new twist or get a new audience and stuff like that. But I don't know, I think that just after Force Awakens came out last year, 
especially after yeah. really let's under- have another war yeah but yeah. especially after the really underwhelming uh prequel trilogy and stuff i think there was just this big elation that star wars was star wars again and everybody was back in the vibe uh, and fucking lightsabers and like uh, the new version of darth vader and stuff again and i think now after having this sort of elation after force awakens then they have rogue one which is something completely different like I said before, might just jar a lot of people. See, you know Rogue I mean? One's going to be depressing as hell. I mean, the, you never know. It could I, be the fucking sleeper head. Like, it could I want, like, I want to say though, badass. when you were on about like why you get these kind of big actors and stuff, and from my point of view, like you said as well, they're not the big A list actors. You know, what I mean, they're all kind of known, but they might not be known fully by the general public. I mean, Ben yeah, Mendelsohn. No knowns, not all known knowns. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, Ben, like, I, honestly, I only know Ben Mendelsohn from fucking that Ryan Gosling film. Well, you don't know from, the like, Beyond the Pines or Bloodline or anything? No, I haven't watched either. He's a fabulous actor. I know, I know he's a great actor he's and he's, he's, he's done a lot of stuff, but I just haven't seen a lot of the stuff stage. and I just remember him distinctly from, what do you call that fucking Ryan Gosling film? Place Lost Beyond River. the Pines. No, Lost, no, River. Lost River. The one he directed. All right, he's in Place Beyond the Pines yeah. as well. I know, I know. Always plays a bum creep. But <laughs> he's he's very. Good but yeah, and then like fucking exactly. And then like big, no, sorry, like, uh, and then like big mad mads. You uh, know what I mean? Like he's he's Hannibal on TV, which was cancelled. <laughs> to be honest, see that shot of him in the trailer. I was just thought oh, I just left it from Valhalla Reason. <laughs> it looks exactly the same as the shot from Valhalla Reason. I was just all. That's a fan, mate. All right, mate. Oh, no, it's nothing. I recommended that once on this podcast. It's but yeah, like he's show. he's not he's not an overly big star. I mean, he's going to be in Doctor Strange, so he'd no, probably he's, be a bigger he's name. He's big because of uh, Hannibal. Hey, but see, Hannibal wasn't even that big. That's why it got cancelled. Big ish, like no, like it, no, it was it was very <laughs> critically revered, but it never had that big of an audience. Be- I, I, okay, because right. that's yeah, why yeah, it got cancelled. Because yeah. it was only like three series deep. See, we do forget that the three of us. Are kind of heavy ingesters of a lot of media. You see, this is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. The general public, like Shaman's on about, that might get jarred from like a different kind of Star Wars film. I don't think they'll really know who anybody is. Yeah, that's. I that's mean, they might. Exactly they, what I think they, they might. They might recognize them from something. It's like, like oh, Gleason, and my head's fucking massive. I'm like, what the fuck's he doing in a Star Wars film? And another thing yeah. <laughs> is like, uh, Buddy Holm, uh, Adam Driver. See, I don't personally consider Adam Driver massive, but no, uh, he has a lot. Like, he has a lot <laughs> of indie stuff. But what do you call him? The fucking ah, uh, the fighter pilot. What do you call him? That's crazy. That's crazy. He he probably the biggest in it, doesn't he? See, yeah. Yeah. he's not even. He's, he's still just Apart from about Han, I, 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 I do agree about the cast and the Force Awakens and stuff again. Like and like I said, it is just a I, personal no, thing. No, but also if you're going to make the argument about the Rogue One cast, why is Oscar Isaac and fucking? episode seven then because he's just Uh as big as any of those people yeah that's no that's well that's what i was about to explain i understand that oscar isaac and fucking who else do you bring up bernie brian gleason they're very big actors but it has a personal thing i just maybe it's just a casting choices because i'm a forest whitaker fan but i love him i don't like felicity jones that much i think that Maybe it's not the fact that they're big or whatever else. I would like them to be kind of smaller, more unknown actors because I think at Star Wars have had a lot of fucking um, success there. But also, I just don't really think that the casting choices fit the characters. I don't know. See, just looking at the characters, but you don't even, know even in, no, I know that. But um, you, I'm, I, but Jesus, we don't know anything because we're only taking it from a trailer. See, even and that's see, what I'm saying. Taking it from that trailer. I don't like the fits of the characters on there at the minute. They could fucking prove me completely wrong, yeah. and I hope they do. But at the minute, yeah. 
not all of them are, 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 are massive. Some of them are, but in the first Star Wars, like, I mean, Alec Guinness is fucking massive. And actually, who was inside the fucking suit? It wasn't Peter Cushing. It was... Uh, James Earl. Well, uh, no, Peter Cushing's in it, though. He's, Peter, uh, it's he's Peter Tarkin. Cushing. He is Darth, like. He's quite no. big. No. Or no. Peter Cushing's Tarkin. Uh, he's Tarkin, but what do you call the guy who's actually in the suit I'm of Darth? Because he's another Hammer Horror actor. You know, I, I know it's not, like, known, whatever, but, like, Peter Cushing's in the film. Alec Guinness is in it, like. I mean, they're technically well, the biggest in it, we're, really. We're get, we're Even prequels. Like, no, 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 we're, we're, not, we're, we're not. We're, not, get, we're getting lost in No, the no, we're not getting lost in the because those are two, like, for their time. Like, I mean, those guys are, like, there's Hammer Horror and there's Alec Guinness. He's fucking massive, like. But what I said about the original trilogy. But they were playing trilogy, lesser parts. Aye, but what I said about the original trilogy is that it's irrelevant to us because by the time we were born, they were already superstars, so we understand them as superstars. We're t- I am taking it from a. I'm putting in the context of time of us watching this and yeah, going. There's I a couple of that, big actors from our time the whole in this, thing in the I've same said, way that there was a couple of big actors from that time and that. But the whole thing I've said from the start of this argument is that it's a personal thing for me. I understand why they've got these actors in, but for me personally, I don't think they fit their characters, and I think they're too big, and I think they should have basically continued on the trend of having younger actors and there because I think it would have had the very same impact on the same fucking mission or whatever the fuck they're doing in that film you know what I mean it's just it's just what I think just what younger actors not younger actors but just it, 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 I just don't really like the casting I don't like the aesthetic I think they should have been more conservative I think they basically should have fucking kept on with this rule of Star Wars being massive again and this nostalgic look yeah. at it I understand why Gareth Edwards is doing it because I'm just repeating myself now and we're going for the fucking same thing over yeah. and over again I understand why he's doing it but I just don't think it'll work mm. that's my opinion for now we'll just see what happens to be honest in lots of ways I agree with you. what I think happened is they took it the studio and they said this is a hard sell we need a couple of stars I think that's what happened mm. I think it's pretty much what happened but, but not even plus, about the stars because it is a hard sell because I, it's no, not it, I personally think it's one of the least interesting stories they could have done in the Star Wars universe. I would have happily seen an Obi-Wan kind of Jason Bourne trilogy mm-hmm. come out of that before Rogue no, One. But, no, but plus also what Chan was saying there, and I just made me think of something, is if they did keep it with the same kind of aesthetic and stuff, people might get more confused that this is episode 8 rather than a separate story, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I know that, but like it's, it's just a sort of thing, and, and again, I'll say it as a after the depression, not only from Star Wars fans, but I think even just sort of casual fans of the prequel trilogy and stuff, you got Force Awakens just kind of reel out a fire amongst like not only the Star Wars community, but just people who were kind of on it in general. And it was this nostalgic feeling, like I've said before, Star Wars is back, Star Wars is Star Wars again. Yeah. And then going from that then to this now grittier, more realist yeah. film, just when people's whistles have been wedded for more Star Wars. Yeah, like it a whistle. Yeah, but it might, <laughs> it might take them back a wee bit. And I don't know, they were sawing about, because I'm, Jesus, we've discussed it so many times, I'm not a big fucking Star Wars fan, but no, watching yeah. Force Awakens gave me a lot of joy, because it reminded aye. me of watching the original trilogy when I was fucking seven, eight. Aye, I, I was like, all like, that, aye. Aye, that sort of film's back again. You know what I mean? And now you've aye. got that with The Force Awakens, you want more of that. You want to cling on to that sort of Star Wars vibe. Aye. And now a whole different entity and aesthetics going to come at you. And fair enough, you'll get episode was it uh, eight episode next? Eight. next? Do you think maybe is there something? That, see, because right to be honest, like as a sort of a, just think about it, as like a fucking business model. To be honest, I think Rogue One is like 
one of the riskiest moves mm. of all of it because but it's, a, it's a story you already know. The only but reason they want to just try and expand the films that they're doing. I know that, but but as, they, as your first film outside of it, I agree with I think It's a wee I mean, and, and I start to think maybe is there something in Rogue One which is important to the next Star Wars movie? Yeah. And maybe see, is that why they're doing it? The, the, way, the, I way, think I it been, the way I see it is that they're choosing something that's locked in deep into the very first Star Wars film, which is getting the 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 Death Star plans, and it's never really explained how they got the plans. They just kind of say they have the plans. A team of rebels got them, yeah. and that's it. And so that's that's just spawned off to yeah. But but you see. You're you're but, you're but, but you're looking at this film that oh you know what's going to happen in the sense that oh they're obviously going to get the plans but it, but they're they're going to make it about something else I mean with with the trader and stuff and you see Jin Urso and her dad it's obviously going to be more about that yeah, yeah, and her yeah, dad is actually helping build the Death Star and stuff like that. Me, me and me and Heron's main complaint isn't the story and I personally for me I really like the story because like you said it's always been someone that's com- been completely fobbed over yeah. that hasn't really been it's a cool mission yeah I mean it's done well it's a cool it's, mission it's like. a cool mission it basically is going to be a mission movie and stuff like that there. we're not talking about the narrative I mean the narrative I think is pretty cool it's a massive part of Star Wars lore that's just kind of passed over what me and Heron are saying is that it's the aesthetic since this whole Basically, the the reintroduction of like this Star Wars fucking craze has happened since like last whenever the promotional material for the Force Awakens came out. Basically, I think, and I think what Heron was trying to say as well, wouldn't that be better? Because it's really irrelevant if this film came out this year or next year. Would it not have been better? And I mean, I literally, I'm fucking talking to somebody chatting in the tent in the fucking bog side and trying to question marketing and all these fucking smart people in Hollywood. But I personally think it would have been better to have Force Awakens big craze then have episode 8 because then people's feet are on the rug and they're back in the Star Wars vibe and then have Rogue One but they have all this big massive Star Wars craze come out and then have someone completely different you know stripped down and more realist Rogue One and then go on the episode 8 no, I, mean, I don't know I, I do agree with the smaller film you know because I agree with the smaller film but it's the aesthetic we're talking about aye no of course of course I mean I think see to go back and tread over the older things I mean I w- there's probably going to be, they're, they're more than likely, is going to be some old films slash old effects jokes in it. I don't know, or, or something like that. Or yeah, maybe not. Know. I don't know. But it, but it's the kind of thing of that, right, we're going back in time, you know, and it's this kind of thing of, you know, the middle, the middle episodes, which are actually the before episodes, look a lot newer than episode four until six. Four until six. Four until six. Wait, what do you say in the middle episodes? Four and six. Like the, I'm saying, I'm saying like the, the ones that were released, like episode one day three, which were released after, look like newer pieces of work when they were technically the past. Yeah, but do you, but you it, know it's, why it's, that it's is? It's the fall. It's the fall of the whole thing, yeah. and it's a decrepit society and this kind of thing. I'm just wondering. I mean, it's the same thing I was saying. I mean, said that Shan's saying is that. It's 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 a it's a fucking serious mantle they try and get back in they to me it looks it looks awfully clean. A lot of the explosions are sort of quite wide and studio-y, whereas it it doesn't seem like rugged enough or something. You know, it needs it needs to be more but, but well, no, I, I think it'll get plenty of ruggedness in it. I mean the I, with the whole timeline thing of it, like it's picking up 
it's taken the aesthetic more of episode four and it's the it's that kind of costuming so there they but it's it's further in the past than what force awakens is you know what i mean but it's still that what's the, this again rogue one it's further in the past than force awakens yeah or or do you mean you hope no, no, no! I'm saying it's it's like this is basically the exact same time as New Hope because this happens and then New Hope starts. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying it's that timeline. So aesthetically, like with like the stormtrooper suits and stuff like that, it's all that kind of. It's still it's way back. It's all right? that kind of builds and with this because like that that was the thing way Force Awakens that the X wings were slightly different and the stormtroopers were slightly different. But yeah. you have to realize it's 30 years later. So obviously there's yeah. been research and development. You know what I mean? I mean it would, so what? this, so this is going back to that original thing in yeah. the first Star Wars. So it's Aye. it's trying to push that more forward, and even but even the aesthetic of the new kind of trippers that you see, it still looks kind of a bit more haggard and a bit more yeah, kind of yeah. like the first one, I would say, rather than kind of a bit newer. Well, on one, on one element, which is a really well considered element, was uh, the lightsabers and. Force Awakens, and it's just because I read this whole documentary about. I read this whole documentary. Yeah. <laughs> I read this whole bit about, uh, and it, w- it was about lenses. This is a wee bit geeky on lenses, but it was about uh, that they had lenses built. Like they're using super high def, probably like fucking like a million K cameras or something. But. Reckon. <laughs> probably, probably like a red scared other one. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's the probably. Uh, Probably Lexus sixty five, but uh, what do you call it? Uh, <laughs> no, it was, it, the way that the lenses they got lenses built, one the BHD, but they have neon lights react the same way they reacted to light in the seventies. So that's why that's why I think the lightsabers and the forest at night look fucking amazing. They in the Force Awakens, just like. they do, and uh, and it was JJ uh, Abrams actually had them fight a bit more like a dog fight. It wasn't this big choreographed Matrix thing. It was a bit more rough Aye. and if you want to punch somebody you can fucking the, punch them see that, that was the problem with the prequels that it was too choreographed exactly and so with that very well considered thing of building a lens to make it look like it's 70s but yeah. still still modernizing it but still having a nice quality of the 70s mm. and still having that so there's parts of it like Rogue One's gonna it's a, it's a fucking big wild card like. yeah it is yeah. and I, mean, I like that point you're making about the lenses because like you were saying Abrams let them kind of go off the cuff a bit and it wasn't choreographed but because of the lens and how it captured the certain light off it it doesn't matter if it was a wee bit sloppy and stuff like that there would look better because the light was always going to basically be their get out of jail free card because it would just look nice and more sort of real that's fucking cool say like the lens right is say like your first two fingers and then say put your second two next to it or something like say I don't know say a lightsaber is the size of a can and it rises you know say that is the whole size of a lightsaber in terms of width. Um, when the light hits it, that probably doubles in size. Mm. And that's kind of what happened. That's, that's the light effect they were going for. And what happens then is that it lights, whoever is the blue saber, whoever is the red one, it lights their face as well. Mm. And a really good way is to go for them close-ups. And then when they cross, it creates this brilliant mix of light of yellows and greens, and it creates all this, and which is such a nice sort of thematic thing of it's, like light and dark fighting mm-hmm. and this kind of yeah. thing and all and it's brilliant and uh, it, it really like the whole thing was it, that whole sequence I thought was beautifully shot like and I think something as heavily considered as that 
And bear in mind, I'm not a massive Star Wars fan, but something as heavily considered Fucking as that. I hate it. Uh, bullshit, mate. But, uh, <laughs> no. I think about Rogue One, I think. Maybe. Is Abrams a producer on it? I'm not sure. Uh, but, I don't know. I, th- I think. Probably McG's involved. Oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Taking Love me some McG! Taking a hand like this. Fuck <laughs> Jesus, H. Man, see him. Fuck McG. <laughs> actually i meant to say we we were talking oh, about like star wars before like before the force awakens came out and we were having a joke i said we were talking about star wars before it was cool yeah. <laughs> no, but, no i was talking about hitler before he was cool because no, we were we were talking about jj abrams and the fact that he wasn't staying on to direct the other two and stuff he's here and scumbag. i think Stoke. you said chan like oh well he'd probably become more of like a george lucas rule of like producing them and stuff like this here but the actual george lucas rule is kathleen kennedy who's she's the yeah. head she's the she head of it. lucasfilm and she's kind of overseeing this whole big vast universe of because you have to remember as well this is getting quite geeky with star wars but the whole actual overall canon of it what they did when lucasfilm when disney acquired lucasfilm is they basically threw out all the old stories and all the old canon of of Star the Wars. Books and such. Aye, all the, all the books and the comics and well, stuff. Well, I'm sure they'll pull from that again, though, will they not? No, but this, well, this they, is what I'm saying. They've got a fucking dare for a fucking source for trail. Oh. Probably Mickey Mouse on the next one, but... No, but... <laughs> no, they, they, th- they threw out all the old... Mickey Vader just? They threw yeah, out all the old canon apart from this the sex films... The Clone Wars film and the Clone Wars series. Darth that's Mickey. all that's, that remains. Take it again. The sex films. Right. The Clone Wars animated film. Right. It's and gone. then the Clone Wars series. No, that's what remains. Okay. All the all the books and stuff, that's that's put down to Star Wars Legends. Now they got But going forward now, all the books and all the comics and stuff that comes out, the video games, they're all canon. Going forward now. See a pal. So they they actually have like a group of people that are like sto- like story kind of supervisors or whatever, and they like they like liaise with all these different departments and make sure like what they're coming up with runs for the entire canon of it. You know what I mean? So it's not just about the films anymore. It's this Jesus, mate, you could do that thing. job. <laughs> no. But you anyway, we are fucking eyes closed, Max. Back to Rogue One is yep. that. Sham was saying he didn't he didn't see why they didn't go from episode seven to episode eight, and I think the re- I'm not saying no, I no, don't no. see why I'm just yeah. saying that I think for me you would have preferred that. It's a Marvel formula, though, wouldn't it? Like no, but all personal uh, then big, personal then big. That's no, but all all I'm saying is that they were going to take two two years anyway to make episode eight uh-huh. because they weren't going to shoot them back to back. They have a year release, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. So they had that gap anyway, and they want to start doing. So it's either you have a two-year gap between Star Wars films or you can try and introduce this new thing that you want to become a thing anyway. And if you have it rooted in the original Star Wars anyway, it might be a good kicking-off point. But even if people don't like this, they've made it so distinctly different and making sure that people know it's a side thing compared to the episodes. Even if people don't like the Star Wars stories, I think they'd still be interested in the episodes because yeah, they'll market them and even the aesthetic yeah, that we were talking about like a, makes them distinctly different. It's a, it's, it's a strange thing though because I really like the fact that all three of us have had very fucking distinct sort of theories on not only why Rogue One is being placed now and how it's going to do and stuff like that yeah, there, but it will be uh, it'll be very fucking interesting to see how it actually fucking ends up. 
I think that it is a very, very ballsy move. No, well, not, not a ballsy move. They're fucking Star Wars or Lucasfilm, but I think that it is a... Uh, well, it's not going to make I, as much money as... Yeah, of course, of course it's not, but it's an out-there move. And well, I like the fact they're trying to expand, and I do like the fact that they're trying to be different, yeah. even though me, for once, I want to be more conservative and whatever yeah. else. But we're not going to go back and repeat. How, how much? Denny's know how much Rogue One cost, as opposed to Force Awakens. Eight billion. A hundred million dollars now. <laughs> I like the pr- production budge. How much did it cost? How much uh, was the old budge? No fucking clue, mate. No fucking clue. It was the same as... I, I, I imagine it's about a seventh of fucking First Awakens. Jesus Adam. Christ. <laughs> Jesus. What? Uh, Apparently God's all in Rogue Jesus Christ! God's gonna fuck and chew the hell off Vader. That's a final scrap, so does. Oh, also, Captain America's got a fucking camera. Also, you said earlier. Keep watching after that crash. Captain America's there. They're shoehorning Vader in it. They're definitely not. Vader definitely would have been around at this time, and he would have been in. No, I'm not saying shoehorning none, but I mean. He did say shoehorning. No, that that was a term I used, probably a poor choice of words, but what I fucking actually meant is that for the fact that it's Vader's return to the screen, and he's probably the most iconic villain in cinema history mm. for him to return to us they should never have met him i think Aye. but no I mean, they, sh- they definitely no, should have I mean, no, 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 no. listen i'm saying that for the most iconic villain in cinematic history the return after like what nearly 40 years off screen i just think that it's a bit of an underwhelming return now fair mm. enough i might be wrong but just it seems like it could have been bigger and it could have been better done. i i don't think especially most especially in the first Rogue One, they should ever have met him. Or Talk if they did. Me. Why? Because it's like, Jesus Christ, don't fucking deal a hand out. Like, it's, it's, it's just, I think it's sort of one on one. Like, it's just like, ah, you've seen him, build him up. I know they build him up, but it's one film. It's like, keep them wanting more. If you meet him, meet, like, like see him very briefly, but you do don't, realize don't this, see all of them. But this is a one shot. Like there's not going to be a sequel to Rogue One. I know. I, 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 and you, you, you go and say all those things. Uh, and but, the, uh, the the fact that at the beginning no, of but like, they shouldn't, no, but they no, shouldn't meet him. No, still no, they shouldn't meet him. No, but at the Look, beginning of him, that makes sense. All these cons shouldn't meet him. That's balls. Well, no, they're not saying He's up on his wee fucking haven. The only reason he comes out of it is for fucking Luke Skywalker. No, no. <laughs> Fuck. At the very uh, beginning of go, Star talk. Wars episode hey, 4, Mike, go talk. No, A New it. Hope, <laughs> you see Darth fucking Vader come onto Princess Leia's ship because they have the Death Star plans. So That's it a, makes absolutely it's complete sense. bloody daughter, mate. It makes absolute complete sense that Darth Vader would be in this film because he's concerned with well, the fact. Yes, I got fucking Jackson. I'm be fucking cars. That's not our Because rebels have just stole stole Death no. Star plans. Balls. balls, your balls. How is that balls? You literally see him at the very beginning of the first Star Wars Aye, chasing it, after a Death Star plan. Leia's his fucking daughter. No, he doesn't know Leia's his daughter at that point. Of course he fucking does. Hi, no, he doesn't. Of he fucking does. Hi. He he only discovers that when he's talking. They look and he he fucking reads his mind or whatever, and he's all a sister and all. Here, <laughs> <laughs> a sister. That's our clat. We should sample that. <laughs> a sister. That's what he says. No, but no. no surely he, he knew all along that fucking Leia and Luca Brasi were his no, fucking son he, and daughter. No, he 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 thought his kids died. 
And I've never got that from Star Wars, I must say. Well, you haven't watched Star Wars. <laughs> well, maybe that's true as well. No, but the thing is, is that Darth Vader doesn't realize Luke Skywalker is his son until a certain point, and then okay. he's talking to Luke Skywalker, and then he's he, he's reading his mind or whatever. Because like Luke doesn't know he has a fucking sister, and then he realizes that Leia's his sister. But how does he read his mind if Luke doesn't know? Sure, I always thought that. No, because he reads his mind after Luke fucking knows, and then it's the Return of the Jedi, and then he's all a sister. No, but sh- no, but you're fucking. He tells Luke, "I'm your fucking father." Like, aye, because he realizes that he's his dad, but he doesn't know about the sister. Oh, fuck. He thinks they all died, basically. Well, off me now, Mikey. Well, off me now. No, I'm gonna. But uh, I think so. No, no, I watched No, but the- <laughs> <laughs> you think so? He doesn't know at the beginning, anyway. Definitely. Are you a hundred percent? I'm fucking hundred percent sure on that. Anyway. Despite that, he's fucking the Emperor's right-hand man. What's the Emperor's big project at the minute? Oh, that fucking Death Star over there. So now you get fucking rebels breaking in to fucking steal those plans. They fucking blow it up. And you don't think the Emperor's going to fucking call in his right-hand man to fucking do that shit? Or is he going to leave it to Ben Mendelsohn? Who let it fucking happen in the first place? Sorry, Shan. (laughs) stupid bone troop. Where they have to meet the hang. It, no, no, because you're you're saying oh they don't need to meet him. You don't you don't know if fucking the rebels meet him. All you see in the trailer is that Ben Mendelsohn is fucking talking to him. No, That's there's it. a fucking show at the ham and Jessica. <laughs> Who the fuck's Jessica? <laughs> and, her, fucking what do you call her? Jessica Jackson? What do you call her? No, the, there isn't. Are there you right when over he's, her shoulder where Darth going? <laughs> well, smoking all. There's a quick shot at. No, but that's not her. Who the fuck's that then? You don't know who it is. That's the point. Fuck, I'm definitely her. Fuck away off. Fuck you off. <laughs> <laughs> fuck me. No. Fuck you. <laughs> anyway, all you all you know for factly is that Ben Mendelsohn is having a conversation with him, and that makes perfect sense because he's now what's grand? He's in charge of Ben. I'm Manson. happy. I'm happy so off it. Fuck away off. I didn't. I wasn't saying fuck all about Ben. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Okay, right. Did I say fuck all about Ben Mendelsohn? Okay, I about a we fucking Jessica Jackson. Move on to recommendations. I'll go first. My recommendation is in the bedroom. Two thousand and one. Todd Haynes. The reason I fucking love it is because I think that I'm always stripped down. No, but I mean it's it's. I love the bedroom. It's probably one of the most stripped down films I've ever seen because usually if you have a drama there's always a subplot there's always some sort of romantic interest there's always basically song that kind of makes it feel like a film but the thing that kind of affected me about in the bedroom is that sometimes it feels too like real life and it's really really upsetting and essentially the plot is as Tom Wilkinson's son gets killed by a jealous ex-lover of his girlfriend that uh, Nick Stahl plays his son and this happens it's not a spoiler it happens like 15 minutes into the film but uh, it's about Tom Wilkinson's dealing with that death and about how he, he tries to take vengeance on his son's killer and it's just in a good way upsetting like not a strange way in a good way upsetting because the drama's that good and it's so well constructed and it's so realist but uh, it's an outstanding fucking film and I'd recommend it to anybody nice one okay my recommendation is the to-do list it was out I don't know years ago 2012, <laughs> 13. Nice one. <laughs> fucking Pac-Wan. Like. I'm not fucking IMDb. I'm fucking Pac-Wan. Like. Uh, no, Aubrey Plaza. It's 
I'm not. Is it set in the eighties or something? I don't know. It might be set in the eighties or maybe the nineties. I don't know. There's a different kind of time period there, and I, but it's basically Aubrey Plaza is like the top student at her high school. What you, Val Victorian all air like. Bella Victorian, Bella Victorian, something like that. But uh, she's about to go to college, oh. and she's just she's been studying all the time. She's just been focused on school and all this. But then she realizes going to college, like she hasn't had sex with anyone, and she's like attracted to like the the head of the football team or whatever. Like for the first time in her life, like she, it's the first time she's ever really feel like real sexual emotions. The and, uh, and the quarterback is toast. <laughs> and uh, they are coming to Christmas, anybody? No. <laughs> and uh, so she she just kind of realized that she's underprepared for the sex fest. What is college? Sex fest. <laughs> so she sex of us. <laughs> so so she talks to Sex-a-vest. her sister Rachel Bilson, who mm-hmm. who who knows all about yeah. the sex. She's out of stacks. Sure. Aye, loads. She fucking loves it. She she's all she fucking you know. <laughs> she has rooms and rooms of sex. That fucking oh. sex. Like, uh, but yeah, so she, one room she fucking opens the door. Books on, on that room. Opens that closes the one and it opens the next door and the next room <laughs> and so on and so on. It's kind of like a, a sort of uh, what do you call it? The interstellar sort of job. <laughs> Except she has like ten rooms. Oh. Wrap it up, Mickey. But yeah, so she comes up with the to-do list, which is just a bunch of st- sexual activities that she wants to do before going to college, so she doesn't come off as like a prude or whatever. So it's like, so it's like you know, the like part give, give like <laughs> you know, give a handy, actually have proper sex, blow job, you know, masturbating stuff, <laughs> whatever you know. What I mean, uh. and it's it's a it's a low budget comedy. You know, Bill Hader's in there. It's actually Bill Hader's wife that. Wrote and directed it. Yeah. I think. Love Bull Hitter. Watch about his friends. Bull Hitter's a friend of mine. But yeah, so. Bull Lover. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so. Um, Bull Hater. Wanker. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's just kind of raunchy, kind of sex comedy. But I think it's. I think it's. I think it's. I think, I think it's really funny, but it is very <laughs> sexual. You know, you see people finger banging and hand jobbing all around the place. <laughs> I was watching Peep Show the other day. It was a line that I completely missed the first time I watched it. But he says horny, and then fucking Mark's all. When did horny replace Randy? <laughs> 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 Your recommendation, calm her. Ralph Randerson. Uh, what is my fucking name? Uh, Lethal Weapon 2. Uh, a rather forgotten classic of the old. Uh, I say. Watched it again recently. Lethal Weapon 2. I watched it again twice recently. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I flicked over, it was on, caught the tail end of it, and then I was going back to Matt of uh, Bennigan's Bar fame, and uh, <laughs> and uh, he was all, oh, I've got this, got that there, I've got the Lethal Weapon quadrilogy, and I was just all, Lethal Weapon 2, stick on. Kind of jumped on there before he had any other suggestions, but I uh, 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 Lethal 2. Stick on. Um, it's something because, it's as good as the first one. In my opinion, I mean, there's lots of really great big set pieces in the first one, but the second one has as interesting and kind of enjoyable fucking big set pieces. But as well as that, the second one's actually a lot more. It's like racially charged because mm-hmm. it's set around the time of the big crisis, like one of the apartheid crisis. And, aye, exactly in South Africa, apartheid, and they, they sort of make a joke of it and this kind of thing. But it's it's like the whole thing where you know they keep calling Raj Kaffir, mm. and then. 
the white when, devil uh, and then fucking Regs has the gun on all of them and he keeps calling them master race mm. you know and I says what's your name Adolf whatever Adolf I don't know what's your name you know when you're like alright I was a but I was suggesting he's a bit of a Nazi <laughs> like that subtle uh, and then it's just all and he's all why don't you just get out of here Kaffir lover Ooh. and Regs is just all meeny 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 he's <laughs> <laughs> fucking shits a tank and you're just like uh, but then it's like it has those moments of just kind of going right Jesus a bit more of its time you know Riggs like the first one was post Nam and it was just like boys mm. trying to get back and it a wee bit and all they're becoming cops and stuff Leave Weapon 2 is a bit more about apartheid and this kind of thing and this is where 3 and 4 kind of fall off it a bit where they don't sort of have something they, they cut through the story a wee bit this is mm. why 1 and 2 are so good not to mention, you know, that the set pieces are just so much better. Mm. You know, well, the set pieces in 3 are as good, but you kind of... Uh, there's just more danger in 1 and 2. And then it's the biggest thing. It's the thing that ties 1 and 2 together is when he meets the guy. You know, there's a guy he meets at the start. The guy he has a fight with at the end, which every time I see the fight, I'm going, are oh, they trying to recreate the Gary Busey fight from the first one? But at the same time, I don't really care because it's a genre film. Mm. But at the very start, it goes, your Riggs, your Martin Riggs. And he's just all, uh, you know, of the Chicago Riggs is, what's your name? That's kind of <laughs> thing. But then it's, you know, it's obvious to the audience from the start, is this boy knows him. He knows him, like, you know. And then at the very end, you realize that the whole reason Riggs was suicidal is because his wife died. And then... Bitch got drowned. Aye. But then you realize in the second one that the boy that goes, the boy that kills the Patsy Kenza character also was the one that killed his wife in the yeah. first one and you're kind of going oh this boy's getting got hey this boy's uh, getting seriously done you know it's that thing where is just oh, i'm not a fucking cop tonight man fuck us here and you see raj put the badge in the hang and he's just oh raj you're not a fucking cop either mugs you know these boys are fucking getting it <laughs> <laughs> and you cross the line what <laughs> what i mean and uh oh fuck man and uh that's that's I think it's after that that it elevates the levels of Lethal Weapon One again. You're just going, aye, big old set piece. There's a fucking reason here. Aye, let's go and fucking get these guns. <laughs> you know what I mean, <laughs> and like, there's so many great elements of Lethal Weapon Two. Um, don't you know overlook it as part of you know uh one and then three and four. Shade like a- one and two are as good as each other, hundred percent. Boom. Awesome. Okay, we'll wrap up there, folks. If you like getting in contact with us, let us know your thoughts on Rogue One. And also, who do you think the biggest content film is? <laughs> you can find us on Facebook, Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, at Talk More Movies. Or you can email us, Let's Talk More Movies, at gmail.com. You can also leave us comments, reviews on iTunes, Acast, whatever podcast service you like. I've been your host, Michael Breslin. Shanko has been Shanko. Calm hands and calm hands. Episode 71, baby. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Zip on down there. Police boy. That's a pleasure. I bought a bag of luxury brie and cranberry crisps at a Tesco today. Do you think they'll be nice? Mm. No. I think they'll be fucking delicious. Very festive.
Both I don't like Brie. I fucking absolutely love Brie. Like Allison Brie. I love Brie Larson. Hey! <laughs> hey! Goodbye. <laughs> She's not crisp. Or a sexist. <laughs> ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com <laughs>